Our special guest today, the amazing Dan O'Toole, part of the most successful sports broadcasting tandem this country has seen. Joe Tilly's great Canadian sports show. Coming up! Welcome to the program. I think you're going to find today's guest very exciting and very enlightening. I know I will for sure. He is a native of Peterborough, graduate of Algonquin College, uh, broadcasting stints in Vancouver, Fort McMurray, Edmonton, Toronto, Los Angeles. He worked at TSN for 16 years, the better looking half of the Jay and Dan tandem, four years coasting Fox Sports Live, recently launched a brand new podcast, Boomsies. Ladies and gentlemen, the man they call Toolsy, Dan O'Toole. Dan, welcome to the show. I was all ready to launch that, but you beat me to the punch. <laughs> the boomsies? Or the coming no, the... up? <laughs> coming up! Oh, uh, yeah, there you go. Beautiful. So, Dan, uh, you grew up in that mighty uh, metropolis of Keene, Ontario. Uh, I know Keene. I've been there, and uh, uh, they have a very uh, steeped baseball tradition there. What was it like growing up in uh, Keene? Well, I'll have to correct you. I'm sorry, right out of the gate, Joe Tilly. I was in Otonabee, <laughs> but I oh, played my okay. minor hockey in Keene. Yes, yeah. so I played all my minor hockey in Keene, and you mentioned baseball. I will tell you this story. My father, who I don't ever remember playing baseball, but he was playing in a slow pitch tournament in Keene, which if you know the area well, is right next to the Keene Arena. Yep. And my dad was coming to the plate. We were over playing on the playground. And some ne'er-do-well child decided it was a great idea to drop a 20-foot crowbar from where it was leaning on the playset onto the ground. Needless to say, I was standing beneath that crowbar. So it fell on my head, and as blood poured from my head and people <laughs> caught it in cups, they're like, well, hey, dad's got to finish his at bat. So he finishes it at bat and then <laughs> drove to the, the hospital in Pedro with blood gushing out of my head. So those are my baseball memories from <laughs> So, okay, so your dad got a base hit. I don't know. I don't recall. First, stole second. <laughs> <laughs> was 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 sacrificed to third. That somebody no, else got probably, a base hit, drove him and, home, uh, and then he drove you to the hospital. And then there was a pitcher change, I'm sure. And then they're <laughs> like, "No, nah, no, nah, he'll be fine." But I think he's bleeding out. No, nah, no, nah, he'll be fine. We need this run. We need this run. <laughs> well, well, Dan, I have to say, the crowbar in the head explains everything, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I did play my minor hockey in that arena. And I played in the days of horsehair pads. And if you've ever seen these, uh -huh. horsehair pads by the end of the game weigh 20 pounds more than they did at the start of the game. So those, so, were you I did not become a professional because of horsehair pads. If I had current modern day pads, I'd be the next Alan Bester. Okay, there you go. So you're talking about the, the goaltender pads. Yes, horsehair. Uh, yeah, I, I remember those days. I, I don't even think horsehair was invented when I played. Uh, but, but I did play golf for one year. 
was uh, we had a good team, so it was very boring. <laughs> so, uh, where, how did you graduate from a uh, goaltender with horse hair pads to uh, a, a broadcasting career? What made you want to decide to be a sportscaster? I was like one of those kids back in the day where I'd be watching Hockey Night in Canada with uh, Dick Irvin on the call. And then uh, with Bob Cole, I would put the game on mute and do the play-by-play myself. And if I wasn't doing that, then I'd be playing with my uh, my WWF characters and being mean Gene Okerlund and recording all this on a cassette tape. And that's how I decided I- I'd love to do this. And in high school, we had the chance to do co-op program. I tried co-op as a teacher, and I'm like, I cannot do this. I don't have the patience. So then I did my next co-op at the Trent Radio, which is the Trent University in Peterborough's radio station. Mm-hmm. And I sat down behind the mic, and I'm like, this isn't like working at all. And that's where I got into broadcasting, and that's what started it all, when I figured out that it didn't feel like work. And the WWE never called. <laughs> no, Mean Gene, well, he did it forever. So he had that uh, position well locked up. There are no openings. Um, okay, so tell us about going for, like, I, I did the same thing. I was campus radio station, thought this is pretty good. I could, I'd love to make a living doing this. Tell us about landing the first gig. How'd that happen? I was in college in Algonqu- Algonquin and Ottawa. I was rejected by two other colleges. I was rejected by Loyalists in Belleville and Fanshawe in London. I in college, you gave them your money and they accepted you, but that wasn't the case. So I finally got into Algonquin and Ottawa. A couple months into my second year, a job posting went up on the board, and it was for an airborne traffic reporter in Vancouver. This is where I remind you, I was going to school in Ottawa, and I'm from Peterborough, and I'd only been to Vancouver once in my life. Yet I applied for this job with Skywards Traffic. So they did the airborne traffic reporting for these radio stations for free. The caveat was, well, we got to read a tagline for like Jiffy Lube or whatever. Uh, So it was a brilliant idea. Uh, They hired me and then I uh, ventured out in our pilot's car because he had to fly the plane out to Vancouver. I went out in his like 84 Toyota Tercel across Canada that that uh, that car had no radio. It had no heat. It had no speedometer. I don't know why he wanted it out there, but I got it there. And that was my first job flying around Vancouver, giving airborne traffic reports. And it did not go well. I'm so glad social media wasn't there because the station would get calls. They're like, has this guy ever driven on a road here? It's the low heat highway, not the log heat. So I was getting road names wrong. It was just abysmal. But that, that's what I did for 501 flights in Vancouver because I did morning and afternoon drive. I uh, did that 501 times without uh, crashing in the plane. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah, like my first week in uh, Toronto uh, uh, coming from out west, um, I had to talk about somebody who was from Kapuska Saints. <laughs> and Christine Bentley was sitting beside me and she goes, she turns around and she goes, Kapuskas? <laughs> Do you mean Kapuskasing? <laughs> <laughs> That's like when I was doing uh, news on the uh, the college radio station at Algonquin. I listened to an old tape recently 
and I talked about uh, a fire or someone breaking into a store in Kelowna. That's Kelowna. <laughs> Kelowna. Yeah. We used to go there every day, every year in the summer. <laughs> Kelowna. That's right. right, just uh, just north of Penticton. Yeah. Penticton. So you go from uh, Vancouver to Fort McMurray. Uh, not not what you'd regularly considered a good career move, but in this case, it, it sounded like it was. That's right. I got back into doing play-by-play because when I was in college in Ottawa, I got to do Ottawa 67's play-by-play. So I went to Fort McMurray and did the play-by-play for the 2000 Royal Bank Cup winning Fort McMurray Oil Barons, a team that Scotty Upshaw, who had a, a nice NHL career, was a part of. But you go to Fort McMurray and it's the home of the oil sands. And uh, you're making radio money, so you're the lowest yeah. paid person in the town. Because I knew pipe fitters that were 20 living at home <laughs> making like $150,000 a year. And I thought I was rich because I was making $2,000 a month at the radio station. I'm like, I'm in the money now, baby. Yeah, that's twice what I made my first gig in Red Deer, by the way. So that, that's... <laughs> Oh, but I didn't tell you though. My my airborne traffic reporting job, I made fourteen thousand dollars a year. Oh right, yeah, that's yeah. That, that was my kind of money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, okay, so so you're in Fort Murray doing doing the gig there, but then uh, you end up going uh, to Edmonton, I believe. After that, or there was a, the uh, the gig in Edmonton via Fort McMurray. How did that come together? That's right. So they had a it was called a stringer reporter. Uh, because Fort McMurray was a, was a growing metropolis. By the way, when I took the job in Fort McMurray, this is pre-internet, I got a map so I knew where I was moving to. On the map, it just had an arrow that said to Fort McMurray. <laughs> I moved to a town that wasn't on the map. So while I was there, I, I got to know the guy, uh, CJ Phillips, who ran the, uh, the Shaw Cable Station, and I'm like, I, I'd love to do some TV. He goes, here's a camera. You go shoot it. I'll help you edit it. So I put together a few shows. I interviewed uh, hockey players. I interviewed politicians. And then I sent that demo tape to Edmonton because their Stringer reporter did stories from Edmonton, which they'd insert in the Edmonton newscast so they'd have Fort McMurray covered. And I sent that off and uh, they hired me. I I lied, said I'd worked a camera before when in fact uh, I hadn't. And then they eventually had to teach me. I got the old CTV vehicle that I got to drive around town. So I did morning radio, play-by-play for the Oil Barons, and did reporting for CFRN, the CTV station in Edmonton. Uh And while I was doing that, I sent that tape off to CKVU in Vancouver, which was getting set to launch City TV. And the gentleman there, George Froelich, He said to me, get a year's experience. I'll call you in a year. So I got a year of experience doing TV. He called me a year to the day. He said, did you get the year's experience? I said, yeah. He goes, okay, well, uh, do you want a job in Vancouver? So I got to go to Vancouver to help launch launch City TV uh, with Moses Neimer roaming the halls in those early days. That's a good. That's a good move up for sure. Um, definitely. Uh, what was it like working uh, in, in city in Vancouver? And what made you decide that it uh, was great? You know, you want to come back out east. Uh, when TSN called nine months into that gig, uh, I guess 
uh, Farhan Lalji, who was the TSN reporter, uh, the people from Toronto called him and said, hey, anyone out there on TV that uh, we should hire maybe? And he gave them my name. So Mark Millier, who was uh, the executive in charge of hiring at that time for TSN, I still remember to this day, I, I my phone was blinking at my little sports desk at City TV, and I pick it up, and he, he, it was a message, said, Dan, this is Mark Millier from TSN. If this is on speakerphone, please take it off. And then mention how he wanted to talk to me about uh, coming to Toronto. So I called him back, and he said, hey, we, uh, we'd love to hire you. And I had, I was still fresh in Vancouver. This is uh, the kid that just came from Fort McMurray. So I'm like, I'm in the big city. I get to go out with my friends every night for dinner. I only have to do the six o'clock sports. I get weekends off. I'm like, this is the greatest job ever. So I said, thanks for the interest. I politely decline. And then this went on for a few more phone calls. And then he got Blake Price to call me, who had moved from Vancouver to work in Toronto, was an anchor there. And he said, hey, hey, I totally get it, but this is a great place to work. Got James Duffy to call me. So they put the full court press in thinking I was a brilliant negotiator when really I just wanted to stay in Vancouver. Uh, eventually I said, okay, I'll, I'll make the move back to Ontario where I'm from. And luckily I did because about two months after that, City TV where I was working laid off 95% of the people that were working at the station. So I made the correct call. Right. You know, a couple of times that's happened in my career, too, where I, I had an opportunity to go someplace and, you know, and then the next thing you know, they they they, they stopped doing that particular show. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that, that, that was a good, 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 good career move for sure. So tell me, how do you get hooked up? How did the uh, the uh, combination you and, and Jay come about? So this all goes back to Blake Price. So I, I got there. Blake Price was doing the 10 o'clock. Sports Center with Darren Detition. Jennifer Hedger was paired with uh, Jay Onright on the 2 a.m. Eastern edition, which was live at 2 at that time. Uh, Blake uh, and his wife needed some uh, extra help with their kids because they had a young, growing family, and both their families were back in B.C., so he decided to move back to his home province. So at that time, they moved Jennifer Hedger off the show with Jay Onright up with Darren Detition. And I got the call again from Mark. He's like, okay, once this NHL lockout's over, because the lockout happened in 2003 or four, he said, once the lockout's over, you're going to be paired with Jay. Because at that time, I was uh, on weekends with a revolving group of people. Uh, one of them was your former co-worker, Sunil Joshi. I did a lot of shows mm -hmm. with him. I did shows with uh, Holly Horton, with uh, Lisa Hillary. So I got the call to be paired with Jay. For the single reason being, Blake Price moved back to BC. So if Blake hadn't moved back to BC, I would never have been paired with Jay. So that's how it all happened. And Jay always said, he's like, I was working with Jennifer Hedger, and then they gave me you. And I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> well, you know what? It was a combination that, that worked out pretty, pretty well, actually. We got Vic has got some uh, a clip standing by of some of your work with Jay. Just in case, uh, for those at home who, who've forgotten uh, what that combination looked like, uh, <laughs> Vic, can you run that clip? Ooh, ooh, ooh. My hands are so small, tiny little hands. Producer Tim thinks we look like Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> I can't believe the Miami Heat lost 
again on Ooh, look Tuesday at that haircut night. on Jay. I hope they don't <laughs> that cry. That looks like a toupee. Again. I hope <laughs> I don't cry. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't do it. No. They just wanted the chance to play together. They're friends. They're friends and they wanted to play together. So I've been there before. The waterworks, the uncontrollable sobbing, the hysterics. My two children don't do any of that. Instead, it's a daily occurrence for the man-child I work with. This video, from the day Onright was told he had to actually work two days in a row. <laughs> Top 10 crime moments in sports. Oh, God. Uh, wow. Good times for sure. No, I want to ask you, <laughs> yeah. what, what do you think? What, what do you what think? What do you think when you look back at that right right now? So I've mentioned this on my my current podcast. How I actually cringe when I see those old clips. The reason being, we were just we were just developing our chemistry at that time, and my acting, if you can even call it that, was abysmal. And I point to our last four years of shows from 2017 to 2021 as our best shows we've ever done. That's when we moved back from L.A. to Toronto uh, to work back at the, the network. And, and Jay agrees with me. Like uh, Jay and I are very close friends to this day. And he agrees that those, because it, it's like with any profession, the more you do it, the better you get at it and the the more polished you become. And at this point in our lives, Jay and I can finish each other's sentences. So I know how to tee them up. And Jay always gave me a, a great little antidote on, um, not antidote, anecdote. Uh, anecdote. Very good with that. Anecdote, yes. On <laughs> how to make the show work. This is when we first started being paired together and he said a line and I, I added in like, yeah, that looks like fun. And during the commercial break, he's like, if it's not funny or if it's not needed, just don't say anything at all. And I always remember that because a lot of the times it's tough just not saying anything, just letting the moment breathe. And that's what we learned how to do. We were not uncomfortable with silences, which a lot of young broadcasters are. They're like, oh, there's silence. We can't have this. When that's what you need for the joke to come across and for the people at home to get it. So we, we discovered all that over our many years together, which started in, what, 2004 and then went all the way to 2021. Right. You didn't need like a Johnny Carson, Ed McMahon type of scenario where. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <sir. laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. So uh, before you guys left for L.A., because I want to talk a bit about that, uh, they put yep. together a little compilation for you on, on TS. I want to have a I want to ask Vic, our producer, to roll that. First big news of the day, a major acquisition. Actually, make that a major reacquisition. TSN is proud to announce that Jay Onright and Dan O'Toole are returning to the TSN fold. Blockbuster deal. Jay and Dan back on TSN. We get to come home. Yay. Heck yeah. We're going back to Canada. We're excited. We were getting deported anyway, so it's great. <laughs> Did you catch any of the uh, World Cup Friday?
can't be beat. Jason Seaver from Growing Pains. Mike, Boner's at the door. <laughs> That's a good so, one. I always uh, like Boner's at the I door. Got, I got that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boner's at the door. I got the uh, that, that mixed up. So that was the compilation they put together when you were coming back to TSN yeah. uh, after the, the stint in L.A. But I want to talk before that about the stint in L.A. How did that yeah, gig come about? And, and uh, you know, what, what was the process process there? So during our time together, uh, the Wall Street Journal of all papers wrote an article because they had a Toronto-based reporter uh, who watched SportsCenter every night. And he wrote an article, why can't American SportsCenter be like Canada's? And he wrote an entire article about Jay and I. This landed on the desks of Fox executives. So while Jay and I were in London for the 2012 uh, Summer Olympics, we got a call from um, Jacob Ullman, who was a Fox executive. And he said, I would ask if we'd be interested in going to Fox as they help launch uh, Fox Sports One, a new sports channel in the States. And we said, yeah, we're open to, to any uh, offers. And we talked for a couple of weeks and then nothing. So I, I emailed them and they said, yeah, we decided to go in a different direction. I'm like, oh, well, that was fun while it lasted. And then two weeks after that, they said, nope, we want to go in the original direction. And then we had to find agents and then our agents uh, worked out a deal. And then we moved to Fox in LA from 2013 to 2017. We signed a four-year deal there. So all because of one article in the Wall Street Journal, uh, we landed in LA at the juggernaut that is Fox. And what an experience. We worked on the Fox lot where they shot like Modern Family. Uh, they shot so many shows. There's like actual sounds, sound stages. There's a um, a fake New York street where they shoot shows every day. You drive on to a working Hollywood set with palm trees. And I'm like, is this the greatest gig ever? And we had no affiliation with Fox news. So we didn't have to deal with any people being mad at us. We were on our own Island out there launching a new network. The only problem we, we soon discovered was no one knew how to find the channel. Uh-huh. Well, they eventually, I know that, that that was the whole problem with the, the the thing not marketed that way in terms of how to find this place. But I mean, but here you are in the largest market on the planet, uh, you know, and you and Jay. Now, here's you, you're, you're, um, for your standpoint, here's this guy from Keene or just outside of Keene and uh, uh, who is uh, rejected from Fanshawe College and Loyalist College. And uh, here, he, <laughs> here he is called into work. For the you know in the largest market in 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 the world for a brand new station, I mean, what was that like for you? It was amazing. We didn't know what to expect. We were without admitting it, nervous walking into this place where there was superstars working. But it is hands down one of the greatest companies I've ever worked for. From the wardrobe department to the stage crew, there was no uh, expense spared. Is that the right expense? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Um, yep, yep. Because you would walk into work. We each had our own dressing room. Uh, we'd walk in in shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops. Our suits would be hanging up for the show. The suit, the tie, the belt already in the pants, your socks, your shoes. Because their mindset was, we want you to concentrate on nothing except having a great show. 
So one of the things was to have a wardrobe department where all your clothes were there. Uh, you'd go onto the stage and there'd be a, a crew of about six people just there to, to move things, uh, to position set pieces. And this is something that's both of those things are not present in Canadian television. You don't have wardrobe departments. You don't have crews to, to move sets. You have maybe two camera people on the floor. That's it. So just seeing the enormity of what went into TV production on the American side of things blew our minds. And producers, that's the one thing. Things are overproduced because you'll have about 20 producers on one show when back in Canada, you'd have one. So just being a part of that and seeing the inner workings of American television was eye-opening and something that I will never forget in an experience that I would never trade for anything. So you didn't have to go at, uh, you know, one thirty-five as you're getting ready for your show, go down and put your own makeup on or... <laughs> and and the other thing when you're working at fox you're you're walking down the halls and you like you see uh frank thomas the big hurt oh then yeah we work with him we'd work we worked on a show with donovan McNabb, gary payton uh gabe kapler who's now the manager of the san francisco giants all these people just roaming the halls and it was just like he didn't bat an eye when if you saw one of those people walking around a studio in Canada, you'd be like, Oh, whoa, this is pretty amazing. This guy's here. But it was just something that was happening every single day when we went into work. So, uh, you guys got a chance to do all kinds of great interviews, uh, with, uh, all the top sports figures in the world. I mean, you were interviewing Connor McGregor before his fight with Nate Diaz. And I think we got some of that. Oh yes. I love this. Great. We have a great relationship. Good business. Um, he's a smart man, and we have a great relationship. And he's a businessman like you, so he must know you showing up late, that gets people talking, and then what happened at the end of the news conference, that gets even more people talking, and then that all translates into more pay-per-view dollars. Um, that sounds about right. So uh, you didn't get into it when they were when they went back and forth. So that's Conor McGregor before anyone knew who Conor McGregor was. And they went at each other in that interview. And a a year or two later, Nate Diaz came to do that show in that room. And he walked in. He said, it's you guys, because we really pitted them against each other. And he's like. You're the guys who were laughing during the interview. I thought you were laughing at me. We were like, no, we were just nervous and we didn't know what to do. So we were laughing. And we thought Nate Diaz was going to beat the crap out of us. What was it? Uh, I mean, what was your, what was your thoughts? I mean, the way that Connor handled that, handled that particular part of it was like, uh, you know, uh, pretty, he was kind of an off the, off the rails type of guy anyway, right? So you're interviewing guys who are, who are, who are a little bit, uh, you know, out in left field sometimes, I guess. But what were your, what, was, what would go through your mind when you're talking to a guy like that? Well, our, our first initial instinct was, well, we need them to, we need them to give some juicy stuff. So we would prod them and we got better at, as we went along, uh, the thing that, comes to mind when I see that clip, Conor McGregor would never wear what he's wearing in that interview now. And Conor, uh, when we first got to Fox, 
he was walking around. He was part of our UFC show uh, because it was a nightly show in which uh, they'd have analysts on. He was an analyst on that show walking around with a cane because he had a, a severe leg injury, which prevented him from fighting. So mm -hmm. again, no one knew who Connor was. So if we knew at that moment that that guy we were sitting there interviewing would become one of the highest paid athletes in the world. Um, I wonder what we'd ask differently. That it's definitely something that comes to mind, but our Connor interviews, we would get excited when he became bigger and bigger knowing, okay, someone's going to tune in for these. Uh, so we knew how to, to poke him. He got better though. He, despite the fact that you probably don't think he handled his rage later, he got better at interviews. So he wouldn't fly off the handle as easily in those, uh, interviews in which they're, they're in a different room in a different city uh, doing this. So, uh, we got him when he was still raw. So what was your favorite, uh, interview to do when you were there or certainly among oh, the favorites? Easy. Norm McDonald. Norm McDonald. We somehow landed him for that show, which we were originally in a huge, like it was almost like an airplane hangar of a studio. And then when everyone got laid off from the show, they're like, well, these guys still have a year and a half left on their contract. So, uh, we better find something. So they, they stuck us in a storage closet and built a studio. So it was a very intimate, uh, little show and Norm Macdonald came on that show. So seeing the great uh, Canadian legend who has now passed and meeting him and seeing how he is just without trying a funny human. That was the icing on the cake. Just interviewing him. He was just a, a very nice person, very genuine. And that was, the, that was where we hit the peak of our, um, our interviewees. He was an amazing com comedian, Norm McDonald, one of the oh, funniest yeah. guys. And just, um, just, just like you said, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the person, if you get a chance guy, and you I haven't guess. seen it, look at his last stand up he did on mm -hmm. Letterman's last show. It's so good. He breaks down at the end, thanking David for, uh, for all the time that he ever allowed him on his show. So, uh, Norm McDonald last appearance on David Letterman's show. That's on YouTube. So I want to talk about, uh, you know, leaving TSN and what that was like. You returned to TSN, uh, you know, with all the, the fanfare and then, uh, you, your, your exit from TSN. What, what was that like for you going through that? Well, all my suits are still there. What, what are you <laughs> supposed to get? <laughs> And everything in my desk is still there. When am I supposed to get I that back? <laughs> mm. So, yeah, it was, um, it was shocking. I woke up to an email one day and, uh, it was a strange email cause I never get emails from bosses and it was like a year requested on a business, uh, meeting at two o'clock and I opened this email at 9am. I'm like, first off, why, why do I have to sit around and wait? Like nothing's going to get done. You're just stuck in your own home thinking about uh, the possibility of being fired. And then I knew I was being fired or laid off. I was laid off. Um, when I sent the, uh, the email heading to a buddy who had been laid off the previous week, he's like, I got that same email. It's not good. So knowing that was, uh, that was coming and that I had that phone call later in the day, it was a kick in the gut of course. And yeah, what do you do? If 
my entire life, I've worked at uh, gas stations, car washes, worked on farms, and I'd never been laid off. So to be laid off for the first time at the age of 45, when you, the previous four years, had put together your greatest collection of work in your chosen profession, that's where it was the real slap in the face where it's like, but, but our show was good. But when the, when the henchman comes, you, you can't really stop the guillotine from falling. What are your thoughts on that? Like, uh, so, I mean, when we, uh, when we got um, retired <laughs> in, uh, 20, <laughs> in uh, November 2017, a lot of the bell layoffs tended to come uh, uh, the month before Christmas, but yours came a, uh, a week after Bell Let's Talk, which is a story in itself, which I want to talk, touch on. But so, um, you know, but they, they gave us the option at that particular time, there being a series of layoffs November after November. And they said, well, they're getting rid of the sports department from coast to coast is what they told us. And so uh, there is no need for sports because we have TSN, you know, and, and but the thing is local sports and TSN are two different things, as you know. Um, but anyway, uh, they, they, they gave us the option to either, you know, when they called us into human resources to, to either, you know, take a check, leave now or, or work the last six weeks and, uh, and uh, say goodbye to our fellow employees and say, say goodbye to our, the viewers and, and all that other stuff. Uh, that, that wasn't, you, you weren't allowed to do that. I mean, that's, that's, that was kind of a hard thing, I'm sure. Tell us what, uh, what you went through when that happened. Yeah, when you, you do a show the night before and then you wake up and then you realize that was your last show. Luckily, it had a couple funny clips. And the clip that I posted, I'm like, well, this was my last ever on camera. So uh, when you're appearing on camera and introducing a highlight package, whatever, that's ca called an on camera. And I mentioned producer Tim, my longtime producer who we'd had since 2004, who even moved to L.A. with us. I mentioned him in that on camera, not even knowing it was our last on camera. And he and I were both being laid off on the same day. It was very fitting. So um, I'm actually kind of glad uh, I didn't have the, the goodbye tour because going into that workplace, knowing you're one day closer to you not working there, I think I would just been filled with uh, resentment and bitterness. So I'm kind of glad that the, the Band-Aid was just ripped off in a way. I didn't want to be laid off, but the way it happened, I didn't have to, to sit there. It's like sitting in a pot of boiling water and you're like, well, it's getting warmer. It's getting really hot now. Uh, I didn't have to deal with that. Thank goodness. Did it not drive you crazy? You did the farewell tour. Well, did yeah, but in 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 our in the, the circumstances were slightly different. Like I'd been there for thirty three and a half years, and and now you know uh, cutbacks and cutbacks and cutbacks. We had a sports department of fifteen people at one time, right? When we used to do sports beat today, and so we had fifteen people, and then there's fewer, fewer, fewer as time goes along, and then now we're down to two. It's Lance and I between the two of us doing, you know. 14 shows a week. Mm -hmm. So seven shows for Lance, seven shows for me. And then plus we're, they're expecting us to do some reporting as well. And here I am working weekends after 33 years of not working weekends or 32 years of work. Now we're going to So it was coming to a point where I was kind of like, you know what? I went to talk, we, my wife and I went to talk to our financial guy and he asked him how we were set up financially. Now the pension situation looked and he says, man, you're good. 
he says, you're good to go. So we we're thinking of going anyway. But he said, but, you know, the way things are going, why don't you hang in for a while and see if they offer you a package? And they offered me a package. So when I was in the, in the, in the, in the human resources room, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a happy dance, really, <laughs> quietly to yeah. myself. But I'm making comments that, that they could tell, obviously, that this wasn't a devastating move for me. But, you know, it's a little bit different when you're, like you said, you're at the peak of your career. You just come off your four years of the best work you've ever done. And then, boom. However, and, well, no, I, I shouldn't say however. I think this is this had a big effect on you. And I, I, and I know you've, you've shared, you know, publicly before about the, the problems you've had, you know, when I've had, uh, you know, mm -hmm. with alcoholism and, 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 and so this sort of was a was a uh a kind of where your bottom would come is that what you'd say would you agree yeah so i was laid off on a tuesday or a wednesday super bowl sunday was obviously on the sunday so when my kids got picked up on friday a usual schedule i was left alone for the first time and that's where yeah bottles of wine turned into many bottles of wine and the weed came out and then and then uh I see now from uh, from a lens that's uh, not clouded. Friends and family were very concerned for me because on a, on Saturday, uh, Jay all of a sudden just shows up at my house. I'm like, oh, that's great! I've got a visitor. So Jay and I hung out all day. It's because they they wanted to make sure I didn't harm myself on purpose or not on purpose. So he hung out with me, and then just before he left. Another friend showed up. I'm like, this is amazing. I've got like a party in my own house and I didn't even plan it, not knowing these people were there to, to ensure my well-being. So then I went An to my friend's Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, uh, as you know, with uh, with someone who's going down that path, the, the last thing you want to do is you should stop because that person's going to say, F you, I'm going to triple my yeah. consumption. So they just let me be, made sure I was safe, showed up to my friend's uh, Super Bowl party, and that's where I, I don't remember anything past the, uh, the halftime show. And all this time, I'm thinking, okay, I've worked nights for the last 20 years. So when I don't have my kids and I'm not working nights, this is going to be scary. I compare it to uh, a ski say I'm put on the top of a ski jump in the Olympics. I've skied before, but the chances of me landing that are 2%. And I said, this is going to go sideways in a hurry because I was already on weekends when I didn't have my kids over consuming and just like, just not being responsible. I was still living a, a normal life, but I was consuming too much uh, booze and weed. So when I woke up in my friend's house on that Monday morning after the Super Bowl, I had a gash on my head because I'd fallen and hit my head on his fridge and they were checking on me the entire night and speaking with them now, they're like, yeah, we were really worried for you and we just, we did not take our eyes off you. So I woke up Monday and I said, this has to stop. So I said to my buddy, I'm like, I'm going home and I'm not drinking today. Guess what? As soon as I got home, I cracked a white claw. I'm like, well, that didn't work. And then I said, no, I seriously, I need help. I reached out to friends and family. They, they took the bull by the horns. My friend drove, my cousin drove all the way from Ottawa. He pretty much just 
took me hostage. He said, you're coming with me all the time. All the while they were finding a place to enter me into a rehab facility. The next day I was in because they knew if they didn't do it quickly that I would find a way to probably get out of it and say, I don't need help. I'm fine. That was just a, it's not going to be that bad. So they, they took the ball and ran with it, got me into rehab. And that was on February 9th. 2021 so february 8th when i got home after the super bowl party was my last drink and i told the story on the podcast so my cousin and i are here emptying out all my booze and i'm like well i'm not gonna dump it out i'll i'll uh, bring it to my mom's because we were passing through my hometown on the the way to his house so we go there with all this great bourbon and uh, i'm like mom we gotta do a shot this is my last ever drink she goes i don't do shots so I forced her to do a shot. I'm like, we're doing it. <laughs> so we did a shot of bourbon. And I now I think back of it. I'm like, oh, my God, if I did that right now, I would think I would vomit just the heat going down. So did a shot of bourbon with mom as my last drink. And yeah, that was the last uh, alcohol I consumed um, uh, in my life to this point. So February 9th, 2021, February 8th, 2021. Yeah, that's awesome, Dan. Congratulations on a year. That's Thanks, fantastic. buddy. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's an awesome life, isn't it? It's been uh, yeah. twenty well, twenty nine years and change for me. So it's a pretty. Cool, and you pretty mentioned, good life, I mentioned I mentioned I, I have talked about it on my uh, podcast, and I'm like, do I keep this a secret? Because I went to rehab, and I'm like, whoever wants to admit that it was like, you're, first off, the first week, I'm like, how did I ever get here? How did I get to this place? And if you go to one of those facilities, like these people don't know what they're talking about, but I got the tools that I needed and have used them ever since. So I thought I would keep that in the closet and never reveal that secret. But now that I've been out, now that I've been sober uh, this period of time, and I talk about it with people at parties, like you're probably the same. You, you go to a, a party with friends and at least one of them, before the end of the night, we'll come over and say, so, uh, so what's it like? Like you're trying to sell them on a new religion yeah. or something. Uh -huh. Like, so, uh -huh. so is it, yeah, is it, is it good? And, and I don't want to be too, I don't want to be too exuberant because I'm like, it's amazing. It's the best. So I said, mm -hmm. I need to bring that and just put that in the light in the, uh, in the podcast. And since then I have had so many people reach out and say, Dan, you telling your story showed me that, that it's possible and it's something I need to do. And they'll reach out and they'll say, I haven't had a, a joint in 15 days. Or I'm like, I haven't had a drink in seven days. And I, and I say, that is awesome. That is unreal. Just wait until you go further and further into this and the clarity gets even better than you realize how, how our minds tricked, each, uh, tricked us into, no, you need this to have fun. Because that was the one thing Yeah. Uh, going yeah. into rehab. I talked to a buddy. I'm like, I'm never going to have fun again. And he got me on the phone with someone who had just left rehab three months prior. And he said, Dan, I said the same things. And I could not have been more wrong in my life. So I always remember that. And I mention that to people when they reach out. I say, our minds trick us into thinking, no, nah, no, nah, you need booze to have fun. When it's just clouding you from reality and not living in the moment. And when you, you find that clarity, you are so present. And it's just, it's 
It's a game changer. This disease lies to us. And that's why, for whatever reason, it's a disease that wants me dead or insane. It won't stop till I get there. And it yep. lied and lied and lied. And I would quit daily. And I'd end up, my car would end up at the bar and I'd go, how did that happen? I used to blame the car out of mind of its own, like Christine. Right? Or, or you but, reward uh, yourself. You're like, well, I haven't drank yeah. in five days. And then you'd have yeah. to reward yourself with a three-day bender. <laughs> well, me, it was five hours, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, uh, it's, you know, you talk about not the, the disease telling me it's not, it's not going to be any fun and my life is over as I know it, fun as I know is over. And that was the, the stuff that was going through my end, through my mind. But, you know, what I learned was, you know, I've learned what fun is and I've learned to enjoy it. And, you know, when I have really good times, I remember it and I remember exactly yes. what was going on. And you develop, you develop, you know, relationships with other human beings that are deep and meaningful and, have, and, and are, are awesome. So there's so and much. You know but what I else I, we, I found? I, yeah. And I, and I always point mm -hmm. this out. Um, weed and alcohol have a great marketing department because for all of our lives and in every movie and every show, it's, oh, you had a tough day. Here, have a drink. Oh, yeah. you want to relax here? Have a joint. When I eliminated those things from my life and I found out they were causing 99% of all my anxiety. Mm -hmm. They weren't taking away stress. They were adding stress. So I, I don't know how I believed the, the marketing campaigns that long, but yeah, I soon discovered it. I'm like, wait a second. That didn't take away my anxiety. It gave me anxiety. Well, for some people it's okay, but for me, it's not. It's like, uh, uh, there was a, my kids went, went to, to counseling many, many years ago and, and somebody explained it to them like this with most people, they're like this. And when they drink or use drugs, they're like this. An alcoholic or addict is like this. And when they drink or use drugs, they're like this. So I believe that I needed it, this to exist. I needed this to function and I needed this to have fun and yada, 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 yada. And having been sober for 29 years, I can tell you the exact opposite is true. And, uh, uh, in life, I didn't know how to live until I got this and everything about my personality that's allowed me to be the best I can be, I believe has, has improved as a result of, of and, being so. And not to one, mention one Joe. So 390 days sober now and, uh, sitting with a buddy the other day and he's like, well, how much do you think he's saved? So I, I totaled it up and like, I went like low estimate. That should be the other thing. You save a, sh a crap load of money. Oh my goodness. I'm, I had to get the calculator out a couple times. I'm like, this can't be right. And this guy's an accountant. He's like, nope, that's the right figure. It was just, I'm like, wow. So that alone, you, you want to save for retirement. Stop drinking. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. So uh, I want to talk about Boomsies because uh, Boomsies is, uh, is great. And, and I've watched uh, several episodes now, Boomsies, yes. And uh, so uh, and producer Tim is involved, which is awesome. Tim's been with, you know, sidekick with you That's all the right. way through. And then it's, uh, yeah. He's the all the way through how, how had did he for 20 years. Great. And why, why did he, he end up going to LA with you? How, how, how did that happen? because they wanted our producer to come with us because as i mentioned fox was very heavy on producers so they're like yep he needs to come along he came back to canada with us he got laid off the same day as us and i explained 
uh, producer Tim and I's relationship on my podcast. Uh, it's one of those relationships where sometimes we don't talk for six months when we were at work because he would say, no, you can't say that. I'm like, yeah, I can. And then we, we would just butt heads. So when I started in talks to start this podcast, I'm like, I need someone who's not just going to say yes to everything I want to do. And I guess I got to ask producer Tim if he wants to come along. And it was the right decision because you don't want to be surrounded by yes men or yes women. You want someone who's going to challenge you and tell you you can't do something. And then you can have a conversation on if that was the right decision or not. And it just doesn't happen. And then you, you put something out on a podcast and you're like, yeah, I guess we shouldn't have done that. Now producer Tim is our safety valve. So yeah, Tim's along. And we also got to Andrew Zwarch, who used to work at the the previous network. What the hell was that name of the place I used to work for? Hmm. Uh, RSN? Involved, I think. RSI, yeah. Whatever it is. Uh, he left left that network to come work on this. So to have someone willingly jump into a new project, uh, that gave me the confidence to to know that we we potentially had something. So yeah, Boomsies was born in my basement in Orono, Ontario. There we go. And so we got a, a clip from Boomsies. Uh, there's a character oh, that visits your show, and uh, <laughs> on Boomsies, his name is Ron. We want to explain this. Let's, okay, let's see, let's see this. Uh, if you're watching the video portion, Ron is checking things out. He's kind of like uh, the operations manager. He comes like, okay, we're recording on that. Lighting's good. And beverages are here. In commemorative Blue Jays Cup, I'm sampling the Jesse Barfield juice for this podcast. What a weekend it was. On our old show on that uh, that network. I always forget the name of that place. <laughs> R RDS? No. That was the French one. Anyways, I had a show on it, and um, we'd do this like a wide world of sports kind of thing where we'd look at darts from Europe or whatever we, we wanted to make fun of. And one of the clips of uh, Jay and I first when we got paired together I thought I'm 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 on the big time. This is gonna be my saying. So the show starts and I'd say, What a weekend it was. And I look back and I'm like, I was such a maroon. So bad. And you see Garth Orge behind me. So he's on my list of yep. um dream guests. He was the first dream guest to show up. So Joe Tilly, you must have interviewed Garth Orge over the years. You know what? Uh, way back, well, I'm, we're yep. talking like 1985, 86. Yes, you know, my favorite Blue Jays yeah, team of yeah. all time is the 1985 Blue yeah. Jays. Right, and well, Rance Mullenix and Garth Orge, the uh, the uh, third base uh, platoon system that they had, which worked out. And so they got along. The That's what I asked Garth. I'm like, whenever yeah. Rance would play, I'd be so mad because that meant you weren't playing. And I'm like, did you like each other? He said. We had the best relationship you would ever have. I'm like, okay, that makes me not dislike Rance like I used to. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's also Ernie Witt and uh, Buck Martinez just before that. So the Jays used to, Bobby Cox used to love that platooning thing. And, uh, and it worked for him, right? Okay, so uh, 
uh, you're, you're, uh, you've, uh, during the Olympics, we saw more of Dan O'Toole than any Olympic athlete. Uh, even here, you know, in Mexico, I'm watching, I'm watching the CBC feed and oh my God, every two minutes we've got this riverbed uh, commercial going like a, a Bet Rivers, of Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers. Sorry, Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers. And, and, uh, uh, let's see if we can't run some of the, one of the bit, some of the biz from that, uh, Bet Rivers. Uh, oh, perfect. Do you have any of that? Winter Sports Explained with Dan O'Toole. Today, we're talking luge. Otherwise known as middle-aged guy tries not to break anything. I don't know much about luge, but I do know that with BetRivers.com online sportsbook, with live streaming and award-winning customer service, you can bet online on the sports you love. BetRivers.com. It's a whole new game. Ah, I'm glad we brought up that one. Okay, so that one aired a lot, and people were mad at me because they're like, he's going down face first, so that's skeleton. <laughs> then I had to point out to them, but the joke was, I don't know much about luge, and why are you paying attention to that? We're showing someone tobogganing. Come on. <laughs> yeah, there, there is a difference. I, I picked up on that right away. Dan, that's skeleton. <laughs> Come on, man. Get with it. So, I mean, it must be a pretty lucrative gig, I'm thinking, for you, that Bet Rivers. I mean, well, the here's the I thing, saw. Joe Tilly. Um, <laughs> when my kids saw all these commercials, they're like, Dad, are you getting paid per, per commercial? I'm like, yeah, I should have worked out that deal. So <laughs> part of the deal was you only have to work one day a week because we only do the podcast one day a week. Well, we got a bunch of commercials to shoot. And I'm like, well, that sounds good. And uh, I will give you this. We just shot for two days in Toronto two weeks ago. And we have another two-day shoot coming up next week. So when this um, live betting from your phone goes live in Ontario April 4th, you're going to see a lot of me. And you'll be making the Bitcoin there because you'll, you'll negotiate that buy spot deal, right? Well, it, if it was an Actra um, set, I would have uh -huh. got paid like residuals and stuff, but it's not. So right. I'm like, well, can we, can we do that now? They're like, no. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All you want is 10% of every bet, every bet made on Rivers, bet, bet Rivers, I should say. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, if I got like, oh, I want uh, one set, <laughs> one cent from every bet, that would add up. Because I, I know someone uh, who their father created interact and i've never asked them this but the rumor is uh he and his family get 0.001 percent of every transaction for life so that adds up uh-huh yeah take some of that action um yeah. so i want to talk about just quickly be what do you think about the 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 uh the future of this business that we used to be able to be part of this this television broadcasting business and is it We're going part away of the, the future? Bird? Yeah, yeah. I think this is it here, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, what I tell now uh, to aspiring broadcasters is, okay, broadcast school, yeah, it still has its qualities. You can learn how to work a camera. You can learn how to write. You can learn how to become a broadcaster. But also, you don't really need to go to broadcast school because a lot of maybe potential employers or the potential employer might be staring at you in the mirror. And that's yourself. If you can create content in today's day and age, then that is what people want right now. And that's what advertisers want because traditional advertisers are not going traditional routes. 
and they're sponsoring things on YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram. And I always point to this as well. My children, if I gave them $100 each to find a show on cable TV, I would never have to hand over that $100. So, so cable providers and, and cable stations, I hope they see this trend that anyone currently under the age of 20 will never be buying cable TV. So they've got to find a way to keep the operation going, to keep the, the motor running without these people, because I have never seen the figures, but year after year, the amount of people still buying cable TV packages has to be dropping in the hundreds of thousands because you see uh, Amazon. Getting it. Yeah. Because this right now, sports TV is the biggest reason for people having cable TV, but uh, Amazon's getting in on that. Then you're going to have YouTube getting in on that. Uh, Facebook uh, did baseball games, Facebook Live. Uh, so all of these players are going to say, well, there's still, there's still these people hanging on to the old way of doing things. We still need to get that them into our corner. So it's, it's scary if you're a new young broadcaster. If you're a current broadcaster, it's scary because... Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people wake up every day and they're like, is my, uh, is my security pass still going to work at the gate today? Yeah. 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 No, that's yeah, exactly. Um, and you said tw under 20, I, I, I would up that number to probably under 35, maybe 40. I mean, yeah. how, you know, my, my kids well, the are cable bill, a lot older than your kids. Basic yeah. cable. I think the minimum you can pay is like $50. So if you add up, you're like, well, I could get Netflix for that much. Uh, I could get uh, Amazon Prime for that much. I can even subscribe to YouTube all under $50 combined. And right. what, what are you missing out on? Well, uh, I got to see the Leafs game. So crap, I got to keep my cable TV because that's the only place I can see them. Right. Or find an Android box and do it that way. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying that could yeah, happen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, they, they, they I've could, never seen one of those. They things. could be out there somewhere, Dan. I'm not sure, <laughs> but right. I, I heard. They could be. Heard a rumor. Heard, heard yeah. a rumor. Okay, well, listen, I, I, you, you had a great suggestion on your podcast the other day that, you know, these networks out there, TSN, Sportsnet, uh, they should come out with, their, with this uh, a great idea that they should have their own all-day draft day. Or sorry, uh, trade deadline day broadcast, and by right. golly, they 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 had them. Yeah, they had them. They what a great did it, idea. and I even get like call it trade they center did. or something, and then I see clips that they <laughs> yeah, did yeah. that yesterday. I'm like, wow! They so they listened yeah. to Boomsies, yeah, yeah. and uh, we did a yeah. recap on this week's edition of Boomsies, where producer Tim is our NHL insider, and he uh, gives us a 20 second recap of trade deadline day. And essentially, I asked him, "Did the Leafs get a goalie?" He said, "No, that was it." <laughs> That's all I'm, yeah. I'm not even a Leafs fan, but I'm like, okay, they're making a big right. splash. They're getting a goalie. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. If you're not a Leafs fan growing up in, in, in this area of the world, uh, what are you? What, who was you? Okay. I will tell you this. Um, I was a Leaf fan for a bit. Remember when they used to have the global game of the week? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. So I would watch those and I remember watching Peter Ng. Get a shutout at Maple Leaf Gardens. I'm like, this is great. And then 
Steve Penny for the Montreal Canadiens stood on his head one night for the Habs and he became my favorite goalie. So that would have been like 84-ish. And the Habs games were always on Hockey Night in Canada. So I became a Habs fan. Yeah. Then Patrick, uh, Patrick Waugh took over for Steve Penny and I was the biggest Patrick Waugh fan in the history of the world. So I watched the Habs and I was a diehard Habs fan until they traded him. Uh, so I'm kind of a free agent in which I just watch hockey. Although I say that, but also point to last year's playoffs where I became a sports fan again. So when you're doing sports highlights every night of the week, it all kind of blends into yeah. the next yeah. night. So when the Habs made that cup run, I became a fan again. My friend uh, Luke would come over to watch the Habs game here at my house. I'd go to his house and it was just fun cheering with no agenda because when you're working a late night sports show, you don't want excitement. You want a two nothing game with no overtime mm -hmm. so you can get yeah. the hell out of there and go home. So when you're sitting on your couch, you're like, I just want to, to have fun and watch hockey. And then I started doing a post game show with uh, uh, Chris Nyland, Knuckles Nyland uh, after those games. Knuckles. So that, that was a lot of fun. So uh, I am a free agent sports fan. And you know how they say, don't ever um, meet your idols or don't ever meet your heroes? At All-Star Weekend, when I lived in L.A., the NHL All-Star Game was in L.A., and I was at dinner with a, a friend, and Patrick Waugh came in. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to go meet him. I went and met him. He did not want uh, to spend any time talking. So I'm just like, can we just take a picture? And he even looks grumpy in the picture. So I'm like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Waited all this time and Patrick Waugh couldn't have cared less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a few of those experiences myself and it's uh, yeah, it is Oh, who? Give us one. Give us one. Okay, so uh well, George Brett, the 85 uh American League Championship Series. I'm yep. standing in the Royals dugout waiting to talk to Brett and I said, "George, can I get an interview with you?" And he's nothing. Crickets. Uh, George, I just just need you for one minute. I just want to grab a quick interview. Uh, you, uh, I'm working with the CTV, the station here, and I just, just want to grab you for a quick interview. It won't take long at all. Nothing. He looks right in my face and walks right by onto the field, and, and away he goes. I had a similar uh, experience with Josh Donaldson, and it's like, uh, you know, guys, uh, it, it, there's an old saying, Pat Morris and my, my boss, at, uh, my original boss at, at CFTO, used to say, you know, you meet the same people on the way up as you do on the way down. And, right. uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if, if you're going to be uh, like that, it's, it's going to, what goes around comes around. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate that, that that happens, but what are you going to do? I have, I have a quick Just story. Other, other have try not to be that person, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so we were driving in the car one day, uh, my daughters and I, and Taylor Swift's song came on and I said, I still don't know if she's a nice person or not because I hear a lot of stories where, and I'm not throwing Taylor Swift under the, the, the rug, but, uh, or in front of the bus, I, I heard how she's not nice to some people. So my kids interjected and they said, well, you know how many people a day she must meet. And, and I said, though, I said, but how long does it take to just say hi? I say, well, what about all the makeup people she meets? I'm like, well, how long does it take to say hi? It takes no time to be nice to people and they'll always remember that, but they'll also remember you not being nice. So uh, that's my motto to my kids. I'm like, 
just be nice to people. So that's why whenever I'm out in public uh, and someone stops to have a chat, I have that chat because first off, if you don't, then that story from that person goes to the next person. And then they're like, that Dan O'Toole, he's a real asshole. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know for a fact, if anyone, if a story like that ever comes back to me, I would say that is complete bull crap because that didn't happen. So if you're always nice to people, you don't ever have to think about, wait, was I not nice to that person? Just be nice. Well, Dan, uh, I can uh, vouch for you, buddy. You are not an asshole. And it's, uh, it's been awesome having <laughs> you on the show. Can and, I put that uh, on my business card? I need yes. a new business card. Dan O'Toole, not an asshole. <laughs> not an asshole. It's official. And uh, as, as a guest on uh, Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show, we have some great Italian threads for you from Classic Imports. We're going to hook you up with our pal Jeff, and he'll, he'll take care of you. And also, I'm gonna, Man, I, I owe you a round of golf this? wind dance this year. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And yeah. I get to golf at wind dance? Yeah, baby. Yeah, oh, take my to golf goodness. And this yeah. is the greatest day yeah. ever. Yeah, man. Wow. It's going to be Jeff. good. Listen, uh, thank you, Dan. It's been great having you. And we'll have more sports when we come back. More Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show coming up after the break. Guests on Joe Tilly Sports receive a gift certificate from Classica Imports. Top of the line, imported men's clothing. Check out the Classica Essential Collection now. Go to shopclassica.com. Hey, this is Tommy Grazley, a.k.a. Tommy Gunn. I love two things, music and sports. And when I want sports, I go to the Joe Tilly Show. He gives me everything I want. It's a great show. Check it out for yourself. Joe Tilly Sports, coming up. Good night. When I'm working out, I like to wear my Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show t-shirt. It makes me feel handsome and strong. If you want a t-shirt, support the show. Click on the link below. Now, back to my workout. Uh, 1,761, 1,762, 1,763, 1,764. Addiction Rehab Toronto, Toronto's number one alcohol and drug treatment center. Saving lives, reuniting families. The only treatment center in the province to offer medical detox, treatment, sober living, and lifetime aftercare all in one place. Our unique and specialized programs are designed to equip our clients with the tools to successfully lead a life of dignity, respect, and purpose. Let us help save your life or your loved one's life. Call today for more information or to facilitate an intervention. 1-855-787-2424 or visit addictionrehabtoronto.ca. Joe Tilly Sports is brought to you by COSA. 
Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, providing a united voice for harness horse people racing at Ontario tracks. Check out your benefits today at COSAonline.com and check out COSA TV on Facebook and YouTube for all the latest harness news and live action updates. Live racing year-round. Go to HPIBet.com for all your wagering options. Become a member today and your first bet is free. That's HPIBet.com. Slow play. It's a slippery slope. First you go looking for that lost ball, and then everything goes sideways. There are a lot of golfers on the course. Make certain of your point of entry, look quickly, and move on. Remember, we're here for a good time, not a long time. Find anything, Bob? Not yet. Visit moregolf.ca. You'll find everything a golfer could need from balls, gloves, and clubs, to custom fitting opportunities, training gear, and more. When you go to moregolf.ca to log in and make your final purchase, don't forget to enter promo code JTSports to get $20 off. Go to moregolf.ca today. All right, my Cosa Switch pick of the week. Last week, I went to Mohawk for the ninth race, a pace for Phillies and Mares. Looked like a good opportunity for Silent Crossing to break her maiden. Phil Hudon got Silent Crossing to the front of the pack right off the hop. She never looked back. Hudon got in Silent Crossing to a convincing victory over the favorite trophy bride. Silent Crossing, trained by Blake McIntosh for Hut Racing, 450 to win. So I got a little bit of money back. Okay, this week, I'm going to Thursday night's 10th race, the $25,000 final of the pop-up series. A pace just marvelous with James McDonald driving was just about marvelous last week, but he made his move just a tad early. It's a $5 win place bet. I'm also going with a $1 exacta box, three, four, and six. Okay, for all the racing updates, visit Costa TV on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Go to hpibet.com for your wagering options time now for the rycom wrap sports news that's close to home well they're taking a serious run at stanley let's see how it pans out the maple Leafs grab veteran defender mark giordano from the kraken along with forward colin blockwell let's see how hari satari can well see he got moved away uh, and uh, Goner, Travis Dermott, and Peter Morazic for now. Giordano has been a heck of a player for 16 NHL seasons, a captain for the Flames and Kraken. fact that he's 38, well, that shouldn't be an issue. He's hoping to be part of a long playoff run. The past couple of weeks, I think the Leafs are a team who obviously are on my r- radar as a, uh, a team that I might get traded to and one of the, one of the better teams in the league. So, to be able to to be a part of this going forward, and uh, you know, it being my hometown is obviously a huge bonus. But uh, to be able to to come to a team that has a, a real good shot at uh, obviously uh, making some damage or or creating some damage in playoffs is uh, is something I'm really excited about. 
Well, it was a tough loss in Nashville, but it comes off a couple of nice wins, too, without their top sniper as well. Smoking the Stars and clipping the Canes. Austin Matthews returned, scored his league-leading 46th goal. He also hit a couple of posts against the Preds. Mitch Marner scored twice. He is so hot right now, but the Predators prevailed. They are a physical team. They got some bounces. Eric Schalberg took his first NHL loss. The Devils and Habs are next on the slate. Well, there's still some time for the Raptors to take a run at a home court advantage in the playoffs. Might just do it. The Dinos are sitting seventh in the East, but they're only three or four games out of second. They gave Freddie Van Vliet the night off against the 76ers. His knee might be a concern. Pascal Siakam and Precious Achua picked up the slack for a five-point win. Only two losses in nine games. One loss against the Lake Show in overtime in Los Angeles. Six straight wins on the road before a loss in Chicago. Now the Raps are still very scary team. It was a busy offseason for the Blue Jays, and I really like what I'm seeing here, folks. This past week, they bolstered the hot corner, landing third baseman Matt Chapman from Oakland for infielder Kevin Smith and pitchers Gunner uh, and pitchers Gunner Hogland, Zach Logue, and Kirby Snead, all expendable. Chapman is 28 years old, a three-time gold glover who is a bit of who has a bit of pop. He's also said to be a great guy in the clubhouse and he inked a two-year deal worth $25 million. All right. Toronto SC got off the schneid. Jonathan Osorio got the winner as the Reds slipped past D.C. United 2-1. to one. FC has a win, two losses, and a draw on the season. A massive night coming up for one of the greatest players in NLL history. Yes, when Dan Dawson takes the floor at First Ontario Centre in Hamilton to face the Georgia Swarm, he'll set a league record for games played. He is also poised to set a new mark for career assists. Both records will almost certainly fall. The 40-year-old Oakville native has won numerous titles and is a former NLL Champions Cup MVP. Canadians are making some noise on the links. Brooke Henderson is was second in the or she's second in the LPGA Tour standings as we speak. Adam Hadwin was seventh in the Valspar last week. He's having a pretty good season. Uh, okay, so let's have a look at our shot of the week. We're going to go with number six at El Tigre. And this effort by PC set up a birdie. God damn. Four! That is a good looking shot. On to the green. A little bit long, but it's going to oh, be a pop. Yes, indeed. That it was. That it was. That's nice, huh? Yeah. Today's environmental tip, use less electricity. Power plants release harmful chemicals, including greenhouse gases. The process of extracting fossil fuels from the earth destroys natural habitats. Water usage to provide steam and cooling contributes to water shortages. RICOM, passionate people who turn complicated business problems into simplified technology solutions. For public and private sector real estate, properties, portfolios, and enterprise customers. Optimize and future-proof smart buildings from the ground up. Smart Tech Solutions, the latest in fault locating, base building network design, managed services, cybersecurity, data analytics. Our fault detection will support all smart strategies, define projected outcomes for capital planning, and reduce environmental impact. RICOM, 
Smart Protection Solutions. At RICOM, we're building a path to a smart and environmentally friendly future and a carbon-free economy. And we want to thank all the folks who make this show possible. These are friends, trusted business associates, and all-around great folks. Uh, reminder, the show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Google Podcast, and Pocket Cast, as well as the Spanglish Network and Zingo TV. Please like and subscribe to the show on YouTube. It's free. And all of our past great shows and clips are on YouTube. You can check that out. Once again, thank you to Dan O'Toole for being on the show. Thank you for watching and join us next week when two other great broadcasting legends, Rod Black and Ken Shaw, drop by for a Masters preview. We'll see you then. Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show is brought to you by Brian Gribben Insurance Planning, helping you solidify your financial future. At BGIP, what we do that's unique in the marketplace is we show people how to spend and enjoy their money in their early years of retirement without the fear of running out. Also, we're able to do this without you having to change financial advisors. Please look us up at bgip.ca today. Let's book a 30-minute phone call to see how we can bring value to you and your family in your planning. Call Brian today for all your retirement needs. We did. 905-686-5678. Do you want to buy or sell a home? Could 31 years of real estate experience help you? Why not speak to an amazing team that loves to overpromise and overdeliver? Aldo has a tremendous team of experts on staff. They are committed to making your next real estate transaction smooth and comfortable. Call 416 Get Aldo or visit getaldo.com. Brought to you by MNP, a leading Canadian national accounting, tax, and business consulting firm. MNP proudly serves and responds to the needs of our clients in the private, public, and non-for-profit sectors. Through partner-led engagements, MNP provides a collaborative, cost-effective approach to doing business and personalized strategies to help people and organizations succeed across the country and around the world. With local offices in Oshawa, Toronto, Mississauga, Burlington, and more, our team is here to support you. Visit mnp.ca to learn more.